be ready. Then I'd be ready. Helps if you turn on things. Welcome everyone to the Guitar Ted podcast featuring your host, Guitar Ted and New York Roll. How you doing? It's been one of those days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just thankful to be on this side of the dirt. That's a, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. So how come I can't hear anything? Oh, uh, you can hear stuff. No, now I can. Well, yeah, I just decided <laughs> to control everything. Jeez, you're so controlling. Uh. So welcome, everyone. Um, we have a special guest today that we're going to interview. Uh, this is Guitar Ted Podcast. Like I said before, we're sponsored by the Spinistry. So uh, Spinistry does, they, they've got several um with, I guess you'd call them classic events they've been doing for quite a while. One of them is the hell of the North Texas. And um, they're going to be uh, cranking it up a notch this year. They kicked it off originally in 2012, and the event was inspired by the Paris-Roubaix Spring Classic, which is nicknamed the hell of the North. So they called theirs the hell of North Texas. There you go. The Spinistry version is now a 175-mile point-to-point staging from Paris, Texas, and finishing near the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. There's no cobbles along the way, but there is also very little pavement. Riders who are up for it will love this route. You can learn more uh, at uh, www.gravelclassics.com. Um, team support is allowed at prescribed checkpoints only, by the way. Staging is on May 13th from Paris, Texas. There's shorter uh, options available, so you don't have to do the whole 175 if you don't want to. Sign up is currently free for Club Spinistry members. Again, that uh, website is www.gravelclassics.com. So we'll be joined here shortly by a uh, ride host of the Spinistry, Kevin Lee. Um, he's been around for putting on gravel events for quite a while. We're going to find out what makes him tick, why he wanted to do all these things, and what a little bit more about what Club Spinistry is about and what that uh, entails. You know, I've been uh, aware of these guys since, oh, I would say 20, 2009 probably because they put on uh, uh, the Red River Riot was the first event that I remember that they put on, so... And that happened on, as I, we mentioned this in another podcast, happened on my birthday in 2010. It's almost like they knew it was my birthday. Oh, they were preparing for the future, bud. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, January 23rd was kind of an odd date to run a gravel event back then. There wasn't anything else going on on gravel back in those days. We'll have to ask Kevin why they picked that date. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. Drinking that Waterloo water again. Ooh, what flavor is this? Blackberry lemonade. That's pretty nice. And also cherry limeade. I asked Kevin Lee, uh, since he's from Texas, if he heard about this Waterloo, Texas water that we're drinking. He's, he's never heard of it. He goes, but he's a big fan of Topo Chico. Wow. Well. <laughs> so, I guess that's Club Spinistry We got to stop talking about Topo Chico. Can't <laughs> let the secret out. <laughs> Well, I'm afraid, I'm afraid it's well well known. I don't like sharing. Yeah, well, you know, you've been having a bad day from what I understand, so <laughs> doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, so 
Uh, what else is going on till we get Kevin on here? Um, just transitioning the naughty girl over into a rag bride bike for Morgan. So took that from a single speed with a Phil Woods hub to a uh, 11 speed, one by 11 for her. Yeah. Yep. Taking that out to her, to her in Chicago here in a week or two. Yeah, spring break, huh? Yep. And then um, I have to go out for a wedding. Oh. And then, uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, again, I talked about that. I don't want her having a carbon bike on a rag brine case. Oh, that's right. Yeah, something, we talked about that last time. Something bad happens, right? Right. I don't want that. Rag brine's kind of rough and tumble. Can be, anyway. Anyways, you're Depends. doing a bike build, too. Yeah. So I just recently got um, the um, Griffin Mark III from Singular Cycles. They're from England. It's kind of a, for listeners that don't know what a Singular Griffin is, it uh, was one of the first drop bar mountain bikes. It was um, designed co-concurrently with Salsa Cycles Fargo. They didn't know of each other. They just happened to be doing the same thing at the same time. Yeah. And it came out about 2008 with that. And so uh, this is the third iteration of that uh, design from Sam Allison of Singular and this one can take pretty beefy tires. I was looking for something that would take a plus size 29 inch wheel and uh, have drop bars and something I could use on real sandy courses and super loose gravel and maybe bike pack with it and maybe do a little bit of mountain biking with it and maybe do a little bit of snow riding with it and, you know, kind of a jack of all trades, master none thing. It's a steel frame. It's uh, got through axles, of course, and um, lots of mounting points for things. And so, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. We'll probably do a quick review of it for riding gravel once I get it all done and up and running. So, yep. In the midst of putting it together right now. In fact, I had to go downtown to our local bike shop and buy a couple parts for it. <laughs> Speaking of local bike shops. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> trying to get the collective to put that uh, safety check together mm-hmm. with the farmer's market so we can look at bikes and scope them out. And do make some sh- community service. Oh, yeah. Heaven yeah. forbid we do anything like that. I <laughs> uh, already got one bike shop online. You know, hey, well, they'll even, they're even going to provide a mechanic for the day. That's nice. You know, so if it's simple fixes, we can take care of it yep. there. Anything else, we steer them in the direction of a, another local bike shop. There you, you go. Know, we're not trying to take market away from anyone. We're right. just trying to get people engaged. That's right. Yeah. Speaking of engaged, a lot of people are going to be engaged on the gravel at Mid-South this weekend. Oh, look at our transitions today. Hey, I'm on it, man. Oh, they're fairly crisp. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know a couple people from the area are going down there. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, ben South is going down there, I believe. Ben South is going south. Yeah, Ben uh-huh. South. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he's going down there. Uh, I believe he's doing the 50-miler. Oh, really? Yeah, he's treating it like a party ride. I understand it. He isn't the one that got the karate monkey made with a uh, um, coaster break, is he? I saw where uh, Heath Creek Cycles in Minnesota built a karate monkey for someone in Iowa that's going to Mid-South. Yeah, I'm not 100% confident, but that would make sense. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't want to do some shitties on the gravel? I know it. Just whip it. Right. Just stomp that foot back and go. He's using one of those Monet bikes, uh, modified 
coaster brake hubs. Yeah, I can't say for sure, but I I think that is him, I think. Yeah, would make sense because it all lines up with, it could be someone else, but we don't know for sure. No. I actually uh, DM'd a little bit with Bobby Wintle last night. Oh, yeah? He's only getting four hours of sleep a night right now. He's so, so that's, excited for this. It's probably three hours more than he normally gets. <laughs> <laughs> he's yeah. like perpetual caffeine, though. Yeah, he's like the Energizer bunny of gravel. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's excited. He's can't wait for everybody to come down and see what they've got going on this year. They've got an expo and, um, you know, several um, satellite event things going on. They have a running race, you know, along with us now. And yep. that's kind of become a thing is running on gravel. Kevin Lee. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Here's our guest. And let's see. There we go. Hello, Kevin. Are you with us? I'm here. Can you hear Hello. me okay? Yeah, I can hear him. Oh, I can't hear him. I can hear you, Kevin. <laughs> okay. I can't hear him. You still can't hear nope. him? Nope. All right, let's try that. I think I can hear you. Mark, Check. he's not. Oh, there, he, there he is. Oh. <laughs> How you doing, Kevin? Doing excellent. How about y'all? Oh, we're doing great. And we were just talking a little bit about uh, the spinistry here and um, your events down that way. I was telling the, our listeners that the very first time I became aware of the spinistry was in 2009 when I heard something about this thing called the Red River Riot, which you guys put on down there and I thought it was rather odd that it w- happened in January of 2010 because <laughs> back then nothing happened in January. So, well, uh, that was part of, part of the reason we did it then in a way, cause there were no conflict. And I mean, it's, it's Texas. So we're year roundish on our cycling yeah. down here. You know, the occasion, the occasional ice storm may get in the way here and there, but, Generally, we're, we're pretty good year-round. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I know if it uh, is in the middle of summer, we'll probably talk a little bit about this later, but in the middle of summer, it gets pretty beastly down there. So you're probably going to do some things elsewhere, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Okay. So uh, tell us, Kevin, a little bit about you and uh, why you got into gravel cycling. Why I got into gravel cycling. Um the, the, the short, the short answer on that is safety. Uh, the, lo- the longer answer on that was my, my background is mountain biking. Um, but I started getting into endurance and ultra endurance, uh, mountain biking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, I think I have some ADHD in me. <laughs> and, uh, w- one of the things about Texas is we don't have any epic trails. Well, if you get down to big men. Sure. That's a long way away. But Texas is really big. Uh, and you're in the north of, north side and getting, I mean, that's several yeah. hour drive to get to Big Ben from where you're at. So I think it, it's actually, need, yeah, it's, it's easier to get to Colorado or yeah, Arkansas or whatever else, <laughs> yeah. quite frankly. <laughs> yep. Uh, so uh, I'm one of those that uh, if I do three laps on, on the same 12 or 15 mile trail, I'm, I, I'm done with it for a month after that, it, right. it, it beats me down. Mm-hmm. So I, at the time, um, I was doing some road riding to build up my endurance and just, to, you know, just always finding a different route and piddling around. And 
uh, just trying to build up the endurance that way. And fortunately, we were on the outer edges of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And if I went west and north a little bit, started to get in and into some nice two-lane, low-traffic country roads, basically in the middle of nowhere. And mm-hmm. uh, was enjoying that. And I, just, I unfortunately, I just kept running into these dirt and gravel roads that kept getting in my way. And I was on my... <laughs> Colnago road bike on 25s, maybe even 23s at times. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to take that down a gravel road and somewhere along the way, this, this was back in the day when everyone's bike parks were interchangeable and everybody was selling, use this and use that. And we could just bolt it together and make all sorts of Franken bikes. Right. And I, I ended up somehow or another with a, a check, uh, Columbus Foco steel frame, uh, cyclocross frame, and a bunch of other odds and end parts that I cobbled together. And like, you know what? I'm just going to start going down those roads and see where they go. I mean, it was back before we had ride with GPS in it. So it was all just kind of a mystery what's down this road. The, you know, maybe there's pavement just a mile down mm-hmm. sort of thing. And all I right. started going down dirt roads and they just kept winding and winding and just more dirt roads and, low water crossings and hills and forests. And, uh, <laughs> it's like, this is, this is pretty cool. Yeah. And, uh, I kind of enjoyed that myself. And that was, ah, I don't know, 2006 ish, 2007, somewhere around there. And about that time, uh, around here in Dallas, Fort Worth, we just, we just started having a really, really, uh, really bad spell of people I knew and people in the cycling community that were getting taken out by cars. Uh, oh, yeah. I was fortunate enough that I didn't, none of my close friends uh, passed away, but several that got badly injured along mm-hmm. the way, several people I was loosely acquainted with that were getting killed and just, just the stupidest accidents. It don't, that it, there's just no reason for it. And I had, three young kids at the time and it's it I'm makes, just not going to do this road stuff anymore. It makes you think a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it really does. Wow. So that, that, that that's how it started. Okay. But again, the short answer was safety, but the long answer was adventure. Right, right. Yeah, that's what I was getting from your uh description there. Um what you were describing sounds a lot like uh, what a lot of us early gravel grinders were getting into was discovery and adventure. And, and uh, then you'd come home and you'd tell your friends about it. And of course, at this point in time, you know, 2006, 2007, as you were telling us, uh, you've got the internet to kind of spread your, your love around a little bit for the things that you're seeing. So the message was a little easier to disseminate. And I think that's part of the reason why, you know, I tell people about us in trans Iowa. I think that's one of the reasons why, uh, the gravel idea, the idea of riding out in gravel got more popular qu- more quickly because of that. So, but it was, yeah, we were definitely concerned about safety as well. So a lot of that rings true with me as well, because, you know, I'd been riding on the road just like you and getting buzzed by cars and, you know, worried about getting hurt. And I had a young family at the time too. So that everything you said really resonates with what my experience was as well. So I I get that. (laughs) So uh, Kevin, um, obviously we mentioned already that, you know, I was aware of uh, of you guys putting an event 
on down there in 2010. How did that happen? How did that uh, germinate? Well, kind of going back to the, uh, the ultra endurance mountain biking aspect of things. Um, well, it's a combination of things. Wow. Man, we can go around in circles on this. What's the best way to do this without going <laughs> off the deep end? Um, so, uh, basically got caught up in, you know, that great recession of ours in 2008, 2009, mm-hmm. um, shoot up, spit out by corporate America, uh, on the front end of it. So I didn't even real, you know, before we even knew how bad things were, mm-hmm. I just knew that I was, I couldn't find a job that was anywhere near what I had been used to pay, you know, getting paid, couldn't figure out why. And a- after a while I finally settled, I think it took about a year and I just finally settled on a job for half pay, uh, to, uh, at least have benefits. Sort right. of thing. My wife still had her job, so we were barely scraping by, but uh, her job didn't include benefits. So took a half-pay corporate job with a decent benefits package. Family's taken care of that way, but you know, it's like, we need to find some more money. Right. And I've always been kind of leaning towards entrepreneurial and trying always, I guess I always wanted to be in business for myself. But I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Six mm-hmm. I was 50-something years old to grow up. <laughs> along those lines. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> um, but the, uh, the, 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 the short story was, I, uh, I guess I want to say it was two, early 2009. Uh, I, I came up with the idea of trying to do a, uh, a, an online social network for cyclists specifically. Okay. Kind of like Facebook, but just for cyclists. Gotcha. And that, that was, that was the concept for the spinistry at first mm-hmm. and it was right as Facebook was really starting to catch traction yep. and gain some steam. Uh, we, we'd had some really good success with some forums at a local, uh, level that I had been a part of and a community that started in an online basis and came together in real life but very local to Dallas, Fort Worth and mostly mountain bike oriented. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I had this concept that, you know, well, you know, we could expand that to a wider geographic area and just keep that specialty towards cycling and just have a, have a social site for, for cyclists it was kind of the loose idea. Didn't know how to do it, but it's like, Hey, let's just start doing something. Mm-hmm. Uh, a friend of mine, she had just started a web development company and she, she, you know, she was helping me try to put things together. And now this is super grassroots, just like my events. Now this isn't me throwing, you know, half a million dollars right. in web development at something and put, you know, it's like, Hey, we're, you know, we're putting up a WordPress site. We're finding the latest widgets and apps that may be able to do some of this stuff. We knew all the technology wasn't there yet, but it was like, well, let's see if we can start building a community. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of spun our wheels, no pun intended, (laughs) through 2009 with that. And it just wasn't getting any traction. And I just kept, you know, we kept running into, well, why don't you just do it on Facebook? And again, this was just at that, the transition of when Facebook was catching on, when everyone was moving from forums to Facebook and things like that. And it, it, 
towards the end of that year, it's like, yeah, this isn't going to work. There's no way I can compete against a Facebook at this point. That's where everyone's going. Mm-hmm. So we kind of, we kind of hung up that concept and, um, but I, I had to pay my web developer. So it's like, well, you know, I've had some experience putting on some mountain bike races with the local mountain bike club, Dorba, Dallas Off-Road Bicycle yep. Association, mm-hmm. and some fundraisers that we'd done along the way with our other little side group called Dirt Dogs at the time. And it's like, well, you know, I know how to organize an event. And uh, something I want to, I, something I want to do is show off some of these dirt roads I've, I found for people. Right. So we uh, de- decided we were going to do it was intended to be an endurance mountain bike event, but like I said, I wanted it to be different from just doing five laps of the same 10 mile loop or whatever else. So there was a remote ranch property that had a private mountain bike trail called uh, the breaks at bar H uh, towards St. Joe mm-hmm. and uh, really good trails, but kind of far out. People didn't go there a whole lot. The local state series, did a big mountain bike race there each year and that sort of thing. So the original idea was, well, we're going to do an epic 120-something mile ride in Texas for mountain bikers, but we're not going to make you spin around in circles on the same piece of property. We're going to do a lap on the property. We're going to go out and do, I can't even remember, 80 miles of dirt roads, and you're going to come back and do another lap on the property. It was kind of the, the, the mm-hmm. loose concept of it there but it was not meant to be a gravel event by any stretch of the imagination i was just trying to throw more grout something else in there to make sure. it almost like an epic trail and there's lots of terrain there a really neat area very remote very different from the classic flat texas feel to it and uh, we go out there and it's a good place to do camping and all that good stuff uh hooked up some good sponsors uh, Scott brewing with their Scott decadent. So, you know, a keg always helps. <laughs> and, uh, basically we camped the Friday night before and line up to start the race, uh, Saturday morning and clouds are brewing and the bottom just falls out as we're about to start. Oh, wow. And this is extreme North Texas, almost to the red river. And it's basically the, the area is the same clay, like still water. It's red okay, clay up there. Right. And it just started pouring down rain and the <laughs> landowners were okay with us doing the trail as an all weather trail. But it, it was one of those where, you know, the water was just flowing down the and channeling down it and, you know, washing peanut butter into the driveway sort of thing. Oh, wow. And uh, right at the start. And, and it's like, I, you know, maybe this is going to just blow through. And we just sent everybody out to do the first loop of the gravel. That's what it was. Uh, now I remember it was, you do a loop of the trail, you do a gravel loop, you do another loop of the trail when you get back from the first loop. And like that was a shorter distance. And then people that were doing the super long distance went out on another gravel loop mm-hmm. and then did a third loop at the, uh, at the, on the single track. Mm-hmm. So we just sent everybody out on the first gravel loop. It's like, hey, maybe the, the rain will blow through and it's not that bad. And then uh, they can catch up on the single track. And after a while, the leaders came through after their, their first uh, their first lap and it was still raining. It's like, we're not going out on the trail. We're just doing all gravel. So just go to the other. Yeah. So it turned into a gravel grinder. <laughs> and 
at that point, I was barely faintly familiar with Dirty Kanza. Mm-hmm. I had a friend of mine that had done done it a couple of times, and I remembered when he had come back from that telling me about it. And because I've been telling my friends about riding the dirt roads and the gravel roads the way I did, and they all just look at me cockeyed and crazy. So I was like, why would you do that? <laughs> And so Ben came back from his trips to Dirty Conza and we talked about it. I'm like, people are actually doing events on these dirt roads? He's like, well, up there they are. You know, it's like not huge, you know, 100 people or so. And it's like, okay. <laughs> and uh, so that's, it's like, okay, well, we'll include that in, in our mix. But it's a mountain bike race was the, was the intent. But, you know, I think we had 125, 150 people there for that first event. And it was, I mean, obviously, mostly our our crew, our folks, our friends mm-hmm. already. And it was a good weekend to share, you know, barbecue and beer and big old bonfire. And, uh, you know, the, the thing I was most scared of was, you know, I mean, and the rains didn't stop. It turned into a mud bath, a mud pit the whole <laughs> oh, day. And one of those were people sharing the derailleurs off the, off the bike and all that. And I just knew everybody was going to hate me, but it's like, Hey, I got your money already. At least I'll be able to pay my web developer. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and everybody came back, and they were just huge smiles, ear to ear, covered from head to toe in mud. And they're like, "When are we going to do this again?" It's like, "Hey, if y'all are having fun, I am too." There you go. <laughs> That's where it started. That's amazing. So uh, that was 2010. And when did you did you um, start the club spinistry? Right about that same time, or was that part of that failed social network kind of thing that you were? talking about earlier club spinistry was part of uh and this is a very generous term uh we'll go where it sounds almost like a plan where it was part of the evolution of spinistry mm-hmm. but nothing of ours has been really really planned um kind of along the lines of hey when are we going to do the next one well it's like that one was the mountain bike event but we had some folks there that were kind of on the road side of things mm-hmm. and they kind of said something along the lines of well that was a fun event for mountain bikers but if you did it this way some of the road people might like it a little more and that's when we came up with our first texas chain ring massacre which the intent was to do that a couple months later mm-hmm. than that um and just over time the, that was the you know as people gave their thoughts and their feedback and their, Hey, that's cool. But if we did this or can, Hey, how about the, can, can you throw this in the mix? And things evolved over time. And I started going back to my discovery and exploration thing. That's just, I didn't even know was in me at the time. Mm-hmm. It just, it, it, it's really just gotten out of control. My, my wife's going nuts with it, but, um, <laughs> You know, we were going to New Mexico, uh, the Red River area of New Mexico for stuff at the time for my own riding and my own enjoyment and going back and forth. And just between Dallas and Tucson Ferry, New Mexico, I was just seeing, man, there, there, I see this dirt road winding up that big old plateau over yeah. there. Wouldn't it be? So as soon as I got home, I looked at the maps. It's like, I can actually connect this and that. And so then the idea was, well, I really want to figure out a way to send people down those roads. And I really want to send them to Tucson Carry, New Mexico. There was a neat little Route 66 town. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, 
had the kids at the time. So that movie cars was a big deal. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Tooth and Carrie is very cars ish. Yep. And, uh, so that's kind of where we came up with the idea of our race across Texas was just to get the people on those roads. It's like, well, don't know how I can really sell that idea, but tell you what, if, if, if y'all join this club's ministry, I'll give you a free entry to this race across Texas. And basically the, you know, 50 or 60 people that signed up for that paid for a, a few tank pools of gas and a few hotel rooms to figure out that route across Texas, <laughs> uh, sort of thing. And that, that was kind of the beginning of club ministry. I guess that was 2014. Okay. That was kind of the beginning of the concept there. And again, from, from that point on, it's kind of been an evolution of as we're trying to do new stuff, we, we make that a new benefit for the club ministry members and hopefully kind of grow the club along the way. Mm-hmm. And, but not, you know, this, this is a, this is a crazy way to try to make a living. And you know, <laughs> there's no business model in this that, that makes sense. It's, right. it's all a passion project, but, um, Somewhere along the way, actually, is one of I think it was our 2018 Rat 1000. I think uh, we were doing a kind of a pseudo stage race option for folks that wanted to stay at the same place each night. And mm-hmm. uh, Matt and Lauren Stevens joined us for that one. Lauren was kind of doing Matt's support, and we were talking about it one night. I think actually, I think it was it was a zero day. I think we'd had another gully washer storm day. So we had to stay in a hotel an extra night and we're just sitting around talking and I kind of roughed out the idea. It's like, yeah, my dream would be if somewhere along the way we could just make all of ministry membership based, that would be something that was cool. But the numbers just didn't make sense for that to say, Hey, that's what we're going to do. But it kind of planted a seed in my head then. And the reality is, um, no ifs, ands, or buts about it, but the whole uh, pandemic COVID-19 thing uh, was really, really tough for us. And quite frankly, we would not have survived it, um, not at least in any recognizable form. We probably would have been starting over from scratch. But along the way, people just kept renewing their club ministry memberships, even though we weren't doing stuff wow. yet. That's amazing. And they... They said, you know, hey, when when you're when when we can do stuff, let's do it, and right. that that gave us the. I'm sorry, I can get a little choked up. No, I can um, understand why. That get that gave us the flexibility um, to do what we could at that time. So, like we did some, like uh, there was a we, we had a Comet Neo Wise ride when that Comet Neo Wise came through, and hey. It's, Club's ministry members, we had 20 or 25 of us, started at, uh, you know, this baseball field in Sanger, went out on one of our best dirt roads in the middle of nowhere and had it all to ourselves in the middle of the night and mm-hmm. saw this fantastic comet. But I didn't need to, we need 200 people to make this worthwhile. So it's like, hey, we had 20 friends there, yeah. 20 supporters, and we all had, we all had a good time. Mm-hmm. Uh we did, you know, we, we experimented with wave starts and social distancing. And so it gave us the flexibility to try all these things and not worry about hitting a number for attendance yeah. sort of thing. That's amazing. And, uh, and now we're trying to just take it to that next step. And say, hey, can we, 
figure out a way to grow the membership to that level where we can just make everything free from them. We're not there yet, but mm-hmm. we're, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do that. That's amazing. Yeah. That's a neat vision. Uh, you know, a lot of, uh, what you're talking about with the, uh, discovering the different roads and things on the way to Tucum carry. And a lot of that, uh, reminds me a lot about me and how I looked at, you know, when we traveled, I was always making my wife drive so I could look around. (laughs) 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 So, uh, and I, I, I totally understand the, the feeling of where does that road go kind of wanderlust. So, and actually some of that happened on, in the same area that you're talking about because my uh, in-laws live in El Paso, Texas. So we always went down 54 all the way down through uh, Kansas and across Oklahoma and North Texas and through North you know, New Mexico on that road. So I've been to Tucumcari several times. So yeah, it's a neat area, really neat area. I've been to <clears throat> Big Bend and I was not allowed to bring a mountain bike. Why not? Well, Ella was in the back seat, so I couldn't fit in the car. Jeez, oh, Ella's his dog, by the I'll, way. I'll blame Ella. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, Kevin, uh, you we've mentioned a few of your events. How many events does Club Spinistry, or how many events are you guys involved with? How many do you have going on? Oh, wow. Um, I mean, the reality is we 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 do we do something three weeks out of every month. Uh, realistically, probably, um, one, let's call it organized and it can be relative. It can be 50 or 60 people. It can be five or 600 people. Uh, but one organized open to the public gravel event, usually each month. Um, we try to schedule a mountain bike race, uh, endurance marathon type distance race, but we all usually have shorter distances in the mix. Mm -hmm. We try to schedule one of those each month as well, but, uh, it's just the way our, the nature of our trails around here, clay based soil and the weather, the the reality is it's, it's like a 50, 50 shot of any specific mountain bike event going off in North Texas. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we've been doing it for years and that's, that's just the way it works. So that that's definitely still a passion project of ours where we're just trying to keep the mountain bike, the cross country stuff going to some extent and, uh, keep people involved in that. Sure. Um, and then we, we, we typically try to mix in one club ministry specific members only type ride or event or get together or, you know, camping overnight thing or, or something each month. So that's, that, that's, that's the general format mm-hmm. that we work under. So it's fair to say you've got something going on pretty much all the time for club spinistry people. Yeah, that, that's it. That's definitely the idea. That's and, uh, for my own wanderlust, uh, like, you know, I do, I guess kind of the same thing as, you know, turning circles on the same mountain bike trail over and over. I still like to go see and experience new places and new things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, spent a lot of time in Colorado. We've done a lot of exploring in New Mexico. Uh, we're starting to do some stuff in Georgia and so forth. And 
kind of along the same model of, you know, how we were able to cover the necessities to, you know, to nail down the rat route. Uh, now we're trying to other geographic areas that we're spending some time in. It's like, Hey, if we can get a core group of people together, that this is the kind of stuff they get a kick out of too. Uh, you know, try to help coordinate some of that in some other areas as well. And, Mm-hmm. And uh, that 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 allows me to get my exploration on and see some new stuff too. Yeah, that's neat. So, uh, can you tell us a little bit? Of, what would you say are your um, your your anchor events or your your key events that you have every year? We talked about um, the Red River Riot, the Texas Chain Ring Massacre, and then I know you mentioned Rat One Thousand. Are there any other events that you guys do that you would consider kind of your cornerstones? Yeah, uh, uh, we refer to them as our tent poles. Uh, It's uh, definitely Texas Chain Ring Massacres are typically our biggest event each year. And that's probably our one true um, gravel race. Uh, I mean, there's definitely other people that show up and do the traditional gravel rider thing. Uh, We definitely cater most of our stuff, not to the, not to the pointy end of things. Generally mm-hmm. speaking, I'm, I'm definitely a big fan of the folks that, you know, complete their first 50 K on gravel sort of thing. Right. Um, and we build most of our stuff around that, knowing that if we give a, you know, if we give an environment where people that are competitive can race each other, they're going to show up and race each other. And, you know, we'll help facilitate that, but that's, for most of our events, that's not our focus. Mm-hmm. But the Texas Chain Ring Massacre, it's, it's, it's almost, a na- it was actually kind of a national level event uh, prior to COVID. And we're starting to get our feet back. It's still a good sized event for us, but it's still our biggest event. But it's kind of lost some of its national luster with mm-hmm. all of the big guys coming in and stuff like that. So that's, that's, that's actually our January event now has been for quite a while. And our Red River Riot, we do Easter weekend each year. That's a big event for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably still truly our signature event, even though it may not be our highest attended one. It's, you know, it's still, you know, if, if Texas Chain Remaster gets five to 700 people, Red River Riot gets three to 500, just depending on weather and what's going on that mm-hmm. year and things like that. Another big one for us is what we call our Midnight Massacre. Uh, it was, uh, going back to Texas being damned hot in August. Uh, <laughs> we, we started doing a nighttime gravel grinder, 2012, 2013, just so people could do something in August. And that one's turned into another big one of ours. And it, it hosts out of the same town as our Texas chain ring massacre does Valley View, Texas, but, uh, Texas chain ring massacre kind of goes to the West and Midnight Massacre kind of goes to the east. Mm. So there's not a lot of crossover on the route there. Um, Valley View is a fantastic town. Uh, it's a tiny town with a with this classic town square with a gazebo in the middle that we stage everything out of. But oh, cool. on one corner of the square, there's a hamburger joint. On another corner, there's a pizza joint. On a third corner, there's a winery. And on the fourth corner, there's Whiskey Hollow Distillery. Need I say more? All the food groups. 
<laughs> I just knew exactly. whiskey was going to work its way in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah, that's really And cool. that's our midnight massacre. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I guess the question I have is since your initial foray was kind of a multi-surface race, right? Um, have you ever thought about going back to that a little bit? Like doing more multi-surface races because those appear to be trending in a positive direction. You got rule three, you got core four, you had a couple Belgian waffle rides that were that. I mean, in a way we've always kind of still had those in the mix. We've just never really, uh, what's the best? We haven't made a big deal of, you know, one bike to rule them all or whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess it's kind of how we started, you know, back in the day there, there were no gravel bikes. So half the field were on hardtails and the other half were on cross bikes and both were wrong at different times. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And (laughs) then good way to put it. (laughs) And then we, we always had a pretty solid core of single speeders. I come from a single speed background Mm -hmm. and that, I mean, that's, that's how I got to, to know guitar Ted, uh, single speeds and 29ers. And, uh, so I guess I always kind of considered us cross discipline. So I didn't realize it was a thing. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of became a thing. And, you know, just like you just asked, well, well, have you considered doing it? Well, we kind of always have just never pointed it out. Like Mm -hmm. it's our events that aren't, uh, some of our routes end up being less, let's say less than 60% gravel. So mm-hmm. I, I always just kind of generically term those, well, those are our adventure routes. I don't want to call them a gravel route right. sort of thing. I, I, I'm one of those. It needs to be significantly more than half to be considered a gravel event. In my, just in my world and sure. what other people do that's fine. That's just the way I look at it. Yeah. Um, one of our routes that kind of, and what we've been subject to here around, well, all of Texas, all the metro areas in Texas, the population growth has been so huge around here mm. that what were gravel roads have all just been, you know, being paved over and we're losing gravel. Always, it's kind of always been a thing, mm-hmm. but it's really accelerated the past few years. Have you gotten but, a hold uh, of your uh, state senator and told him to save the endangered gravel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the. Uh, the, the, the tax base are the ones that want that gravel to disappear. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, where, like I was saying, I used to be able to just roll out of my house and I'd start hitting dirt roads yeah. and I'm where I am now is it's just in the meat of the suburbs. Wow. You know, we, we, we have to go 45 minutes, you know, driving at 70 miles an hour before we find gravel now where it used to be two miles out my back door yeah. sort of thing. And, one of the events that we kind of in that process, we had an event that uh, we used what used to be 90% gravel roads and it started getting paved over and it kind of turned into, well, there's some really great gravel roads in here, but most of it's paved. And we turned that route into what we called our hell of the North Texas kind of simulating Perry Roubaix at the time. Okay. And so that was kind of our mixed surface ride for a while and that we were doing that out of Sanger for a while. And that was, that was a really cool mixed surface ride there. And 
you know, do we take the road bike? Do we take the cross bike? Do we take the mountain bike? Mm-hmm. So that one worked really well along those lines. And we moved that to another town south called Hillsboro after a few years when Sanger turned into almost all pavement and there yeah. was no way to really do a gravel grinder. And then after we were there for a while, we, we put together a really good relationship with the city of Paris, Texas, because we stopped there for our rat 1000 uh, first night overnight every year. And the chamber of commerce in Paris, uh, Lamar County chamber of commerce, the city of Paris, the love civic center, uh, the, the fairgrounds, they've all taken fantastic care of us over the years. Mm-hmm. And they have a big road rally there each year uh, called the Tour de Paris. And it's part of a network of road rallies around here. And they asked us if we could move one of our gravel events to share the weekend with that big road event on Saturday, our gravel event on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so we moved our hell of the North Texas up there because I thought that was a really good fit because it was inspired by Perry Roubaix. Let's go, uh, let's take our version of Perry Roubaix and host it out of Paris. So we've been uh, doing that out of there for the past several years. And, uh, and that, and that's really, that's really become something fun. That's awesome. So those are uh, some of your, your tent pole events, as you call them. Um, obviously, you do other stuff, too, like you talked about. Uh, you can probably do something about every week if you wanted to with clubs ministry. Uh, obviously, uh, you welcome other people that aren't necessarily members of that to ride in your rides, at, I'm, a, I'm sure, as well. Is that right? I mean, you don't have to be. Oh, I'm, uh, mo- most of our events are open to the general public, right. most of them. And the part of the club's ministry benefit is, over the years has been, a, you know, a big savings on the entry fee. If right. it's a $50 entry fee, the club's ministry members would get in for $30 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year we've started really whenever I could figure out a way to maybe make it work. Uh, we make all of our general public events free to club's ministry members, at least for an early bird opening Mm-hmm. round or something like that and just trying to experiment with the how can we make that that happen sort of thing so we kind of you know we're guaranteeing certain events are going to be free for clubs ministry members regardless mm-hmm. and we're not making a secret of it our goal is to be be able to make every event in 2024 free to all clubs ministry members we just got to figure out a way to make that happen have a rough idea but you know until mm-hmm pieces come together it's not you know it's, it's not a sure thing right right yeah i just wanted to make sure people or listeners here to the podcast understood that it's not a like a country club you know you you do welcome outside oh gosh no. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're about as far from a country club as you can get i guarantee you no country club would take me on as a member <laughs> Yeah, I, I know I've followed uh, this ministry for a long time now, and I, I've noticed that you guys have a pretty heavy emphasis on fun. And uh, like you mentioned before earlier that, you know, you, you like your barbecue and and your beer and things like that. So, yeah, it's nothing. I just wanted our, our listeners to understand we weren't uh, we weren't talking about uh, an exclusive thing here with your club's ministry. That there oh, yeah. And, well, that's 
that brings up a good point. And this is this is not a pitch, but yeah, that I yeah, I didn't even think along those lines. Sometimes I take it for granted uh, working with the you know people that know us on a regular basis. Uh, for anyone that's listening, I mean, a club finishing membership is seventy five dollars for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a pretty good deal to get a bunch of free events in there. Uh, realistically. Uh, uh, a decently organized gravel grinder. Yeah, some of the some of us grassroots type folks were going to be less than seventy five bucks for an event, but those are getting fewer and further yeah, that's between. Right. Yeah, I was just making um, big eyes at Mark and I mouthed some per- three letter words at him, like, <laughs> okay, because seventy five bucks. I'm like, that's one race. <laughs> yeah, that's maybe part of one race for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, it's like. Well, and and and, I, and that's why I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to watch my words here because I don't want it to sound like I'm knocking people that charge more than that because that's not where I'm going with it at all. That's one of the things I love about gravel. Oh no, I took it as is, it's a value you know, right yeah. there. I mean, even if you go to two yeah, events and, a year, you've more than made up for it. it you know. Yeah. And we we've de- I mean so like our rat one thousand the the whole intent behind that was to kind of be for people that were interested in doing the tour divide. We had, we had a number of people in our group that were doing the tour divide or curious about it, mm-hmm. but it's like, how do you even go about learning how to do that? Right, it doesn't yeah. make sense to just hop on a bike and do the tour divide. Yeah. You, you have to have some pieces in place to get familiar with what you can do, what your body can do, what, what your bike is capable of, what it's not capable of, how to pack things. Yeah. The process. And that was of part it, of yeah. why we've, yeah, why we put the Rat One Thousand together? It's like here, here's a here's kind of a in an indirect way a training wheels ride to learn how to do a multi day event yeah. like that with the yep. safety net of you're always in cell range and there's usually a hotel somewhere along the way if you just don't feel like camping that mm-hmm. night. Yeah. And sort also, of thing. I did the BC Epic One Thousand up in British Columbia, and my biggest takeaway was I can only handle five days on the bike after that i don't want to look at it i don't want to know about it don't talk to me about for bikes you know but that's a good thing to take away is right. i know where my breaking point is right, right? yeah and you find yeah. out when you get yeah, a, that, you get a chance to do a rat 1000 yeah. that's something that's a benefit yeah exactly yeah. you be like hey you know what i might have to scale back my tour divide you know ambitions maybe i just need to break that down into chunks you know right so just giving that opportunity to people if they take advantage of it, right. it's huge. Right. I, I took full advantage of it myself in 2017. I, you know, I did the rat myself and it wasn't, my goal wasn't to complete it because I had no idea if I even, I didn't, I didn't know if I could go two days or three days or 10 days or what. Right. Yeah. And for me, it was more of a, just to get a sense, is it something I could do that in the back of my head, that was my goal yeah. where, yeah, I wanted to do the thousand miles, but I got, I got over halfway and it's like, I could keep going if I want to, but I've proven to myself what I want to know. Yeah. yeah. So I got to Vernon, Texas, 525 miles. And it's like for this trip, that's all I needed to know. And I pulled the plug there. And I was fine with it. I didn't feel guilt or remorse or it's like, okay, I know I have the capability to do it. Right. Yeah. If that is a goal of mine somewhere down the road. Like for me, I was freaking out about day three. Can I get through day three? Cause I read some places where day three would break you. Right. 
My that that is it. I guarantee you, day three. You have to make three days. <laughs> but like I, my I at the end of day three, I was pissed off at myself. I didn't push harder. I was playing way too conservative. But you didn't it, know that until you tried it. Exactly. Right? Yeah. You know. So yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, that's really neat. Well, that's great that you provide that opportunity. You know, it sounds like uh, what you're doing, Kevin, down there is you've got your fingers in a lot of different sorts of events and. And I'm, I'm sure you must have a team of people that are helping you do that. You can't possibly be doing this all by yourself, right? Uh, I have my lovely wife, <laughs> my pack of dogs. Uh, we, we, we have the foster, Dave. He helps us uh, a considerable amount whenever we have those formal events with chip timing and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Uh, and you know, we've got a, we've got a good group of friends that when we're doing the more informal stuff, uh, you know, they'll, they'll hop, hop in their truck and go grab a bag of ice real quick. Or, Hey, mm-hmm. there is, there, there's a writer that's stranded 40 miles out. Kevin, you're, you're cooking food for everyone. You keep cooking. I'll go get that stranded writer. Type. Yeah. So it, it, it all works out fine, but no, it's not, it's not a big production by any means. Um, and I guess that's part of why we, the the very very loose concept of the club ministry thing I think can work. If I had if I had to make that work at seventy five dollars a person and cover four or five or six salaries, no, it it, it, yeah. does, it doesn't right. work. But if we keep it super duper grassroots, but, but still well organized, um, you know, I can do a lot of the heavy lifting by myself, as long as I have some key assistance here mm-hmm. and there, uh, sort of thing. And the big part of it is people get familiar with us and they, they know what to expect. Sure. Uh, yeah. it's, it's always a bit, big compliment when people join us, you know, on a new multi-day or whatever else. And the, you know, they say, you know, everything's so well organized. And that means a lot to me because I, I don't, that's not my background. I, you know, I was the guy that had the messy desk and, yeah. <laughs> but could you manage but, a spreadsheet? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As, uh, as long as it allows cut and paste, I can make it there work. You go. There you go. <laughs> I guess uh, a non-bike question, but a bike question uh, about a Texas question is where's the best barbecue in Texas? Uh, Luling city market. Okay. I did a barbecue or, tasting Or spinistry chow if you make it to one of our events. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Got to get your plug in. <laughs> I like it. Carolina sauce, is that available? Carolina? What are you uh, talking about? <laughs> Vinegar-based vinegar barbecue at, sauce. Actually, at, uh, at spinistry events, when we do our pulled pork, we prefer uh, the Carolina barbecue sauce. Uh, but that goes back to uh, my wife's family and part of why we spend time in, in Georgia uh, we have we have access to family property in in Georgia and her, other parts of her family were from South Carolina. So they do and the whole hog. No doubt that uh, well, they don't know how to cook a hog. I know how to cook a <laughs> hog, but I will steal their sauce from them. There you go. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, we do the whole hog up here too. So yeah, the best barbecue I had in Texas was in Lexington, Texas, and it was not uh, snows. There's a gas station. Yeah. On Saturday mornings. Yeah. There's a pop up yeah, tent. Yeah. Yeah. 
And yep. that guy, I'm not making fun of Snows, Tootsie's, Tootsie's God, but that that guy had something going on that morning right there. I, I fell in love. <laughs> yeah, there's there's another there's another place at the south end of town that has some good stuff too so lexington Lex, lexington is a that's that's a barbecue home run there yeah. but yes yeah, snows snows you have to do the line thing um but i still say a uh, luling city market in yeah. luling is is that that's probably okay. my favorite but uh, yeah. there, there's some others that have been around, so there's lots of good barbecue. All right. Oh, yeah. Here's and your I, barbecue I've, tip. I've had listeners. Franklin's, and yeah. Franklin's good. Don't get me wrong. Your pulled pork was phenomenal. Don't get me. Yeah, I can't say anything but great things about it. But mm-hmm. I thought Snow's was the better barbecue out of the two, but that little pop-up stand at that gas station, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I get my I, vote. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, generally, generally speaking, I'm on exactly – those are the places I – well, okay, so I think that's a, probably a good way to approximate dentistry in our lack of country club atmosphere. We're <laughs> we're 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 not, we're not Franklin's. We're closer to uh, we're closer to the pop up tent in the gas station. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe under the awning it snows, sort of thing, but not the yeah. not the main joint. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Carrie gave me a whole tour during the, the pandemic and all that, and. He's an amazing guy down there. So, yeah, I mean, went in there, bought a bought a brisket off him, and walked out because they were yeah. shut down. It was right when there was like a two week window. They're like, "Yeah, COVID's running through here, so we're not gonna do anything." And I just yeah. happened to timed it just right. He was like, "Oh yeah, I can sell you a brisket." <laughs> <laughs> well, that worked out good for you. Yeah, but um, yeah. All right. See, we gotta go to Texas and get barbecue. Yeah, I know. <laughs> two greatest things in texas yeah. well where their i barbecue? go to tech well where i go to texas it's all about mexican food well i was gonna say their barbecue and their yeah. breakfast tacos yeah so <laughs> yeah. oh, just talk just tacos and i can i can point you all to some good street tacos too I, so. there you go i went to this little hole in the wall pink house off the side of the road going towards mckellar or mckellen or mcqueen texas it was a farm to road table and there were, they had the beef cows off right next to it. And it literally was a hole in the wall. Like there's no Facebook, there's no Yelp, there's no way to find it. I just saw a pink sign that said breakfast tacos and they had barbacoa and I just lost my mind in there. <laughs> there you go. Those are, those are usually the best right there. Yeah. All right. Is there uh, anything, Kevin, that we haven't talked about other than all the great barbecue in Texas, I guess, uh, <laughs> that you want to tell us about as far as club spinistry goes? I'll be I'll be honest with you guys. At this point, I've talked so much. I don't I don't I can't remember what I've said and what I haven't said. Is there anything you all have any questions about or isn't isn't clear or that you think others might be wondering about that might? Well, I, yeah, I think uh, like if that. we can point our listeners uh, to where to go to find you guys, I'll actually, you know, obviously put a lot of this in the show notes too, but you know, let people know where to find you. Sure. I appreciate that. Uh, to be realistic, the best place to stay up to date with what we're doing, because we do so much and we communicate about it a lot. And I know Facebook isn't cool these days, but it is the best place 
to get our most current information. Uh, so it's Facebook, uh, you know, our handle is Finistry. That's mm-hmm. pretty simple. Um, we have a website, Finistry.org. And uh, it, it's nice and clean and, and, and looks pretty good. But, I mean, you know, it's pretty static. So there's not a whole lot that goes there. But you can see our events calendar, things like that, which we're always adding stuff. So I just want to say that when you look at our events mm-hmm. calendar, if you see a blank spot, it doesn't mean it's going to stay blank. It just means we have an open registration necessarily in some of those uh, weekends yeah. just yet. And another reason why the Facebook page pays off so well because – the events on Facebook, that, that's kind of our placeholders. Hey, we're doing something on this weekend, and as the pieces come together, we'll fill in the blank. Right. Uh, we're, uh, if you're just downright interested in joining Club Spinistry, you can access it through our regular website or just go to clubspinistry.com. We'll take you straight there. Uh, the Actually, one thing I would like to talk about. or may, Sure, go maybe ahead. Maybe you guys already touched uh, did y'all touch? Did y'all touch on the hell of the North Texas uh, in the opening segment? Did we? T- did y'all talk about that? Some? Uh, we talked. I can't remember what we're. We talked about. Uh, yeah, the the hell of the North Texas a little bit. We told them about. Okay. Yeah, the Pereira Bay inspiration for that. Mm-hmm. Then you also have your okay. ride out in and Colorado. That's. Yeah, you guys are doing stuff in Colorado too, aren't you? Yeah, that's that's the plan for the summer. We de- we're definitely doing the over the top uh, highest gravel grinder in the world. Trying to put together some other pieces right now. Actually, talking to a group that wants to maybe do a, a Colorado Trail point to point thing that wow. we might put together. But okay. we're going to do a, other stuff throughout Colorado. But the one thing I want I, I did want to touch on that hell of the North Texas. We've actually. That used to be a July event when it was in conjunction with that Tour de Paris uh, road rally. Mm-hmm. And we're back to it. We, we appreciated partnering with Tour de Paris, but it, ultimately it's July in Texas. Well, one of the COVID years, I think it got moved to September because things got shuffled around. And that worked out so much better. It just was not miserable hot is basically what it boiled right. down to. Yeah. Yeah. So this this year we're moving that hell of the North Texas up to May. We have the whole weekend ourselves for Paris. But we're actually, the big deal for me, and this is completely a vanity project, is I always wanted to make it a point-to-point like Perry roubaix So mm-hmm. we've turned the long version of the hell of the North Texas into 175 miles, which is pretty close to Perry roubaix I think it's 178. Mm-hmm. And it starts in Paris and ends in uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth Metro mess at Irwin Park and McKinney. Some of the very last dirt roads that are right on the edge of civilization coming back to Dallas. Wow. So uh, we think that's going to be pretty cool. So we yeah. hope people join us for that one. And uh, Club Spinistry members get in free for that one for sure. And that's special thanks to, again, the Lamar County Chamber of Commerce in the city of Paris. They're helping us out. And that uh, gives us the flexibility to let club yeah. century members have that uh, free through the end of April. Nice. So I just wanted, I definitely wanted to plug that a little bit there. That's a big deal for us. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. Well, I guess that will probably wrap things up with you, Kevin. Uh, we, we, we really appreciate um, not only you coming on and spending your time with us today, but your support of doing grassroots events since, you know, 2010 and 
growing the thing that you've got going on down there. It's really fun to see what you're doing. And uh, we think you're doing a great job. So just keep it up. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on because I think you're kind of one of the underrated, underknown uh, groups of gravel people in, in the United States right now. We wanted to kind of shine a light on you. So thanks for coming on. Well, appreciate that tremendously. And you guys have always been a beacon for the grassroots stuff. Uh, your, your work is, is dearly appreciated. Uh, there's no doubt that it was, um, it was a big deal to me for your, for you to get into that first class on the gravel hall of fame. I think it's well-deserved. We touched base on that to see you and Bobby and Chris make that first class that, that was, and not to diminish the others. I don't, I don't want it to sound like that at all, Sure, but be honest with you that that gave it a, a dose of legitimacy that I was very happy to see. So uh, we appreciate that. everything you do. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Pre- appreciate you. Uh, so if there's nothing else that you want to interject in there, Kevin, I think we'll let you go for now. Thank you all very much. Have a great rest of your day. All right. Thank thanks, Kevin. We'll talk to you later. All right, folks, that was Kevin Lee of the Spinistry. Um, <clears throat> I want to thank him again for coming on. Uh, anything you want to add to that, Mr. Roll? I'm torn. Torn? Yeah. I mean, do I go down there for the Texas chain ring massacre in January and get barbecue? And or, only a pretty good idea, doesn't it? Or do I go off to Colorado this summer? Yeah. Probably talk Morgan into a camper van. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I wasn't kidding when I said, uh, you know, I think Club Spinistry is one of the... Uh, and what Kevin's doing down there is one of the most underrated, un- underground gravel things in the United States. You yeah. never hear anything about it. So. I've always seen them around. Yeah. I've followed a couple of things. I knew I knew the, the Chain Ring Massacre. And for some reason in my head, I also associated him with the Can't Do Kanza, but I don't think that's right. Yeah, I, we didn't get into that, but that I don't know if that had something to do with him or not. I've always, you know, follow from afar. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. never going to go down to Texas for a race. Ha ha. Yeah. And then I started training for trans Isle, went down for the Austin Rattler one year. There you go. That's right. So I've, yeah. Anyways. So, yeah. So don't forget uh, about that special offer. Kevin mentioned for new club spinistry members from outside of Texas through the end of March, 2023, anyone outside of Texas who joins club spinistry with a 12 month membership, they'll automatically have their membership extended through the end of 2024. 2024. Yeah, so for the we barely 70, started. 75 bucks you get this year and next year. Huh. So if you're from out of out of state, out of Texas. Uh, no coupon needed. Just join and your membership end date will be automatically extended within two business days. That gives me two years to train. That's right. Uh, Spinistry is doing that so the riders in other areas of the country can make plans to travel to Spinistry events through 2023 and 2024. Uh, additionally, the states with the most club spinistry members will have spinistry coming to them to set up member-only rides. Well, so you got to get all your buddies from Iowa to sign up, so he has to come up here and put on an event. Yeah, after the last <laughs> podcast, I have no friends. <laughs> well, now you've got a goal. <laughs> no, that's um, not true. Super Dave's on my gents team. Oh, there is. That's right. That's right. He is. See, I'm mending fences. Yeah, that's good. That's very good. Uh, 
Spendistry <laughs> is already planning to do events in Colorado, Oklahoma, Kansas, Louisiana, and Georgia in 2023. Where might they be going in 2024? We don't know. But, you know, judging, the from door what, open. judging from what Kevin told us during our interview, it wouldn't be surprising if he was in a lot more places soon. And Especially if he keeps driving his car and looking at other roads. He's got to quit doing that. Road envy. <laughs> yeah. No, I... Driving across Texas, there's not much to look at when you get certain mm-hmm. sections and then other sections, you're like, ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> a 12-month membership uh, starts for as little as 75 bucks, which we, we told you before. At the end of that, you get uh, free entry into the Texas Chainery Massacre for 2024 and the Rat 1000 for both this year and next year. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah. Um, I mean, I signed welcome. up for a race. I watched someone sign up for a race in Arkansas here recently, and they paid just under two hundred dollars. It was like one ninety eight mm-hmm. for fifty miles. You know, I yeah, I, I I didn't mention that. I know. I think I wrote something on my blog here a little while back about how event fees are going up, up, up. Yeah. And I just what I did was I got on uh, Bike Reg and I just you know looked at the gravel segment. And I think they had like three hundred events or so yeah. that they they call gravel events. You know. <clears throat> what what amount of gravel each event has, I don't know. But I just cherry-picked some of the well, more well-known events, and then I cherry-picked out some that, you know, I didn't know at all and uh, just compared rates and things. And it's really hard to find an event that's less than 100 bucks. You know, I mean, it almost, I would say probably 60 to 70% of the events that Bike Reg lists there, there are close to 100 bucks or or above yeah it's kind of my filter right now yeah i mean i'm doing lutes in here the end of june up there north of duluth minnesota and that's a lifetime race and i think i paid 130 Mm -hmm. so for a lifetime race that's not bad in my head because i know there's a lot that they do and there's they do the whole you know shoot they Mm -hmm. do a big swag bag you know um a lot of that i could do without um, to be honest, you know, I can do mm-hmm. without a lot of the production value, but then again, I'm going up there, you know, because I got other friends going up right. there. So, and it's also nice country, right? right? Um, so with anything, you know, I, I just have a hard time throwing down the money for, you know, for, for a race, but there's certain races I'm willing to, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously you have your icons. Yep. And Unbound is one of those, and it's a lifetime event. But you're talking, if you want to do the 200, it's close to 300 bucks. Yeah. And then you got a lottery again. There's a lot of people upset with Unbound right now. Um, They feel slighted because they didn't get in, mm-hmm. and they've been doing it. They didn't make the air quotes cut. Right. Um, I had someone gnawing off my ear today about it. Uh, evidently, you have a local rider out there who's won many, many races on a single speed and is not eligible. So the state of Kansas, you know, the riders there are kind of shrugging their shoulders of like, did you forget where you came from? Yeah. And well, there's nobody running the event that has anything to do with the beginning of it. So well, really, it's, so. <laughs> I, I guess where I'm going with it is vents are going to go big. Vents are going to go mm-hmm. where the money's at. If that's the type of event. And once that starts happening, you know, it's, you know, bye-bye, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think what you're talking about is there's a lot of people who felt like they invested in yeah. 
dirty Kansas slash unbound over the years. And we're loyal to that event. Yep. No matter what the event fee was, they were going to go. And, uh, now they can't get in anymore. Yeah. It's like when the mighty, mighty right. boss tones in the nineties sucked yeah. with Royal oil. I yeah. felt betrayed. <laughs> I was like, what happened? Nobody to the- knows what you're talking about. Well, they should, <laughs> if they're into good music, they would know. I'm no. sure you're, you're going to bring up that band from Canada in about two seconds. What, Tragically Hip? Yes. The Hip? <laughs> Don't have to worry about them. Their lead singer's dead. R.I.P. Gord. All right, folks. Well, What's more um, Canadian than a Canadian band that has two people named Gord? Uh, I know that. <laughs> Maybe if they wore Canadian tuxedos. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and we're canceled in Canada. <laughs> All right, folks, thanks to Club Spinistry for sponsoring this episode of the Guitar Ted Podcast. Uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. You can always reach us at uh, g.ted.productions at gmail.com. Uh, like and subscribe to us at all the podcast platforms. Leave a, leave a review. And if you feel so inclined, we, we do accept donations. So I just want to put that out there if you like what you hear. Otherwise, we'll talk to you soon, and we appreciate you all out there. Thanks a lot. We'll see you later.